Hello and welcome to Bayhem, the Talk Film Society Michael Bay retrospective podcast series. I'm your host, uh, Marcelo Pico, your co-host, I should say, because, hey, I'm joined by your two other co-hosts on this show, uh, Mike Schindler. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. And also Diego Crespo. Hello, Diego. Hello. Hello, everyone. Happy wedding weekend over here. <laughs> oh, it's wedding weekend, yeah. uh, as, as everybody Raging. knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm sure if, if people are listening to this in order, thank you. Or maybe you're skipping to your favorite ones, and for some reason you're listening to Dark of the Moon first. <laughs> um, who knows? But yeah, we're, we're recording this back in July. I mean, you're listening to this, hopefully, when it comes out in December, all right? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, uh, Diego had a he went to his cousin's wedding yesterday, and, and we're talking about how you know amazing weddings are off mic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, especially when you remember them, which I do mostly. <laughs> so, no. Oh uh, yes, uh, we're we're gonna spin off to our own uh, wedding story podcast, guys. I feel I feel that S- since we have the time, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, but just just keep the subtitle "Dark of the Moon." wedding season dark of the moon there you go (laughs) revenge of the fallen revenge of the (laughs) wedding season revenge of the fallen (laughs) just like angry Um, bitter divorced people (laughs) (laughs) that's what i want my podcast entertainment but december (laughs) december that's the big news right mike i mean i think you 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 were the first to share this with me for sure i was like oh uh, the first i hear of uh, an official you know, release month of Six Underground. I got it from Mike through our uh, a Bayhem uh, DM channel. So yeah, yeah. I was just scrolling through Twitter, and then there it was. Michael Bay tweeted it out, and I just saw it there, like as it happened. And I'm like, oh shit! And then I messaged you guys, and then you were like radio silent. You must have been like watching a movie or something. I was like, oh. Um, like, yeah, when you first uh, messaged me, yeah, yeah, I, 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 for some, I, and I rarely do this, I rarely go to bed before like, like 9 p.m. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was, I was like really tired that day and I just fell asleep. And then I woke up and I saw the news. I was like, oh, thank like, you. It's like Christmas morning. Yeah. Christmas I woke in up. July. Ah, exactly. That was my Christmas in July moment. And the Santa Claus is Michael Bay. There you go. Yeah. That would be then, horrifying. And then, and then <laughs> Santa's going to bring you uh, Six Underground what? for Christmas yes. in December. Uh, hey. It's good. Yes, we finally have an official. Because we were, I can't remember if we talked about this on mic for a few episodes ago or last episode even. I was like, yeah, look, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was searching Six Underground on Twitter and like some random person. Like, I don't even think, maybe a Russian bot was like, yeah, 600 rounds coming in December. I go, what? What's, where'd you get that info? But finally, finally, I mean, yeah, we were worried there too. It was like, you know, we, I thought, I thought for sure it'd be like a summer release. I mean, because, yeah. uh, you know, when uh, a majority of base movies have been, you know, released over, you know, May, June, July, and that's it. I think only like maybe three or four were released off season. Right, I can't think of the ones off the top of my head, but yeah, but you know, you know. So now the big question is: Are we going to get to see this in theaters? Yeah, mm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, by that point, uh, I mean Mike, you and I might have already seen um, uh, Steven Soderbergh's Laundromat, another Netflix movie, which 
I don't know. Will, will that be shown in theaters? Who knows? It's funny <laughs> that, yeah, I'm now anticipating two movies that are Netflix movies that I hope I see in theaters for many, for, for two different reasons. <laughs> Not to mention The Irishman. Yeah, and the, but that for hey. sure is going to get a... That, that'll for sure get a theatrical release uh, yeah. they're they're really pushing that one for the oscars um yeah. but uh i don't know they should really be pushing six underground for the oscar i mean yeah. it's 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 michael based time i can it feel is. it he's, i'm ready he's ready everybody's ready <laughs> everybody's ready for it uh well i'm happy about that um all right but hey you know some you know what else i'm happy about I get to talk to you two about Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yeah. That, that's the movie for this episode. Released in, uh, uh, in June of 2001. June 29th, to be exact. To, to 2011, I think, right? Oh, what did I say? 2001? Oh, sorry. 2011. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although it feels like... W- w- when they made a millennial reference in this movie, I was shocked. I'm like, wait, what? It's like, I thought... it. It, this movie felt like it was released like 20 years ago for, for some reason in my mind. I'm like, what? <laughs> but no, 2011, 2011, Dark of the Moon. Let's go to our first watches, right? Uh, Diego, talk about the first time you saw Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Opening night, IMAX 3D, <laughs> packed theater, packed house. Uh, some, some of the best friends I had in high school and some people I don't talk to anymore. And it was an experience um a loud abrasive enlightening experience <laughs> um i think this is the point in time where i was like yeah michael bay might not be for me i was at that age you know i was like a first michael bay's awesome he's the shit and then it's like well i don't know like he doesn't really make like smart people movies and then now i'm kind of in this weird limbo like i'm fascinated by the man and his work uh it's not always a surefire thing that his work will be entertaining uh but there's obviously always a lot to talk about and to dissect uh intentionally or otherwise uh and dark of the moon i think that holds more true than anything because i think this is actually a pretty spectacular theater experience um i would kill to watch this in imax 3d again Uh, the movie definitely has issues though um which we'll obviously talk about yeah um uh i have my own things to say about the issues on this movie but let's go to mike mike your first time watching dark of the moon First time I saw it was, boy, well, this is really going to date some things. Um, I won a contest on Ain't It Cool News. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Steve Procopi, who, who used to write for Ain't It Cool News and was their Chicago correspondent, um, he would do these like studio screenings all the time where you know the mo- studios would be like, hey, we're going to show the movie like a couple weeks in advance, whatever it is. And, you know, your listeners or readers, whatever can, can come and see it. So he would like do these contests. He'd make you work for it. And he did the, the standard thing, which he always did was, you know, um, why do you deserve to see this movie before everybody else? So, you know, you had to write like a little essay. So I wrote an essay and I'm like, I deserve to see this movie before everyone else because I've been a fan of Transformers before everyone else. I went to BotCon 2 in 1996 (laughs) and I still have my BotCon 2 t-shirt and I'm going to wear it 
to the screening <laughs> if you give me a ticket. And he did. So, oh, wow. so I saw it. And the cool thing about it was it was like right in the heart of, of Chicago, the screening. It was at River East, which is like the big multiplex in the middle of, of downtown. And because of that, like I, I went with my, my friend and co-host Max, like we had to like go through the parts of the city which get destroyed by transformers <laughs> in order to get to and from the theater so we yeah it was it was kind of a cool kind of a cool thing that way yeah yeah that i mean yeah that's quite an experience because yeah, yeah i mean this the climax of the movie the whole like last 40 minutes where they're exploding a city that city is chicago yeah like, you're yeah. The, the place in which you reside yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I just, I mean, I had no reason to bury the lead, but I, I find it fascinating that um, the Decepticon collaborators' base of <laughs> operations is Trump Tower. That's a really interesting thing. I mean, yeah, people who have used Trump Tower uh, Joker in in uh, Dark Knight uses it, and. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Decepticon collaborators, and oh, uh, R. Kelly was just arrested at Trump Tower too. So <laughs> you know, oh man, um, somebody should uh, write an article or make a just do a podcast series on it. <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the the connection to evil and, and Trump Tower. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Yeah, um, weird. Uh, it is weird for me. Hey. Um, I do. I did see this in a theater. I did see this in 3D because this was the movie, one of those movies. Because uh, by this point in my, you know, life as a film goer, I'm like, I'm over 3D. I, uh, yeah, no, no. There's, there's no worth in it. Uh, every movie I see, almost every movie I've seen it up at the, up until this point, 2011, has been every 3D movie has been like, uh, yeah, uh, I can't see shit. The presentation's off. No thanks. So I had a long string of those bad 3D experiences, but then hey, I trust in this at this point I trusted Michael Bay. I was like, yes, you know, if if you're excited about this, and I hear you know they've been making improvements at theaters, you know they've been you know trying to really bring back uh, what 3D is supposed to be. They sold me on it, so I was like, yes, I'm there, and I was impressed. I was the the 3D of it really did impress me, and I kind of wish, like 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 Diego, I you know I kind of do want to see this again on the big screen in 3D. Um, but the movie itself, guys, I don't, this is like, this was like the first time you watching this movie. I didn't remember anything of the, the actual plot. Like a lot of this really took me for by surprise. Like, Oh, Tyrese is back. I forgot he was, <laughs> I, I honestly thought it was going to be just Shia LaBeouf, his character, same with Wiki. I thought he was going to be the only one back. And I forgot about every other character that comes back and also John Malkovich, yeah, so it just it just vanished from my mind after I saw it in 2011, and now here I am. Um, I was excited about the the visuals, the tech about it. I still am, but that's the only thing that re- remains uh, from my experience uh, back in 2011. But now here we are. Okay. Um, oh, we should also note this is a good point to start. We're like a week away from the 50th anniversary of the uh, of the moon landing. So uh, this is kind of timely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So six days from now is like the anniversary. So it's funny seeing <laughs> within the first ten minutes of this movie, Buzz Aldrin walking out and talking to Optimus Prime. <laughs> 
Yep. Ah, and speaking uh, of yeah. moon conspiracies, I mean, I'm not saying that there's anything to this, but I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, Eyes Wide Shut, Stanley Kubrick's last movie, was released 30 years to the week of the moon landing. Ooh. I mean, is that a coincidence? I think not. No, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm a full believer. Uh, as everybody knows, I believe in every moon conspiracy theory there is. <laughs> every single one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course not. Um, but yeah, so this it's it's, it's interesting because um, when this started, and we can talk about the plot itself because it's it's to me it's pretty insane. Um, but yeah, uh, it's surprising to me that our friends uh, Kurtzman and Orsi didn't have a hand in writing this because this this. For this first act, it very felt, felt very much like something Orsi would write. Because um, I think I mentioned in the last episode, yeah, uh, during the commentary of Revenge of the Fallen, he mentioned, oh, you know, uh, uh, go, you know, uh, where are the original tapes of the moon landing? You know, where's that stuff? <laughs> He's a full-on moon landing conspiracy theorist. Uh nutball <sighs> which is but yeah. hilarious since he's also like a star trek writer you know i mean yeah you know, anyway <laughs> and also yeah the fact that leonard nimoy also uh has a voice in this film i mean yeah i'm surprised chrisman orsi didn't have a hand in it but no they have a new screenwriter uh, for, uh it's aaron 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 kruger kruger um wrote the vastly vastly underrated um reindeer games as well as uh, things like, um, oh, well, the new Dumbo movie and, and stuff like that. But, you know, he also did like the Ring, you know, like the the American, you know, Ring movies and um, Scream 3 and Arlington Road, directed by Mark Pellington. So, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys who's written like everything and yet nobody has any idea who he is <laughs> <laughs> I said it yeah he is one of those names where I'm like I know who he is I, I've seen his name but yeah I just always forget about his filmography he, he co-wrote uh, the last Transformers movie too yeah yeah wait the, the, the Revenge of the Fallen oh yeah yeah the previous one yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah of course um, but now it's just him this time uh, I don't know maybe Orsi whispered in his ear hey moon, moon conspiracies Moon landing experiences, put that in, Kruger, do it. But no, um, that's where we start. The whole moon landing was a, is, a, is a sham. The, we actually went to the moon because there were Transformers up there. That's where we're starting, folks. <laughs> let's, let's talk about this plot, Diego, this plot. Uh, how do you feel about this basic core plot and how you see a digitalized JFK in the first minute of this movie? <laughs> uh, you know what? The plot is the almost the right kind of stupid for this kind of movie. It's how it's like doled out. And there's so many like extraneous, like characters, like Sam's got this new boss. He's trying to impress his girl, his not Michaela girlfriend, um, which is, that's, that's a whole unfortunate thing. Nothing, nothing against the, the, the actress, you know, it's, it's how the, the characters just was clearly Megan Fox's character. And they just had like an intern, change the name or in the script or something. Um, but the, 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 like the basic plot, like the, the broad outlines of it, I think actually would make for a pretty cool event movie. Um, it, it's otherwise kind of just noise happening, uh, with pretty well done action scenes. Actually, I had argue this is the best action in the series. Like by a lot, actually, uh, I think it's, it's generally easy to follow. 
Um, it just doesn't complement like the plot or the story because I think even by this point, this is the breaking point of Michael Bay where he's like, yeah, these are my tech demos. These are not movies anymore. <laughs> but it, it worked here for me, especially in the last hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll say, like, uh, I checked the clock um, just wondering, not out of, like, boredom, just curiosity. He's like, where am I in the movie? And it says, a f- and it said 40 minutes left. I go, oh, yeah. Like, this whole... And then after that, and I didn't even bother to check because I was just so into it. It's like, yeah, for me, this action works in that last, like, 40 minutes, the last big chunk. Normally, I wouldn't say that. I didn't say that last time. But now I'm saying, I'm like, yeah, it, it flows better. But it's the plot itself, Mike. Okay. Are you now a moon landing conspiracy theorist guy after seeing this? <laughs> Has this convinced you? <laughs> after seeing <No>. this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, like, it's weird because... Um, it seems so rushed. Like, like they, they came up with this idea and then they were like, let's get through this, like basically in the opening credits. So it's like they go into JFK and they're like, there's a, a, a an alien up on the moon and uh, it's going to take us like five years to get there. And he's like, we, we need to, we need to get someone up there sooner. And then like, he gives his speech and it's like, wait, what? Like he decided <laughs> that in like two, two seconds, you know, I mean, it's super bizarre. And I don't know, there's a lot of like presidents in this series. Have you noticed that? Like in the first one, they kind of like, you know, play cutesy with, you know, the president and, and, you know, it's kind of a, a parody of Bush or whatever. And then you see like stock footage of Obama in the second one. And then this one, they've got, you know, uh, JFK, they've got Obama. And I mean, it's just weird how they like keep on weaving presidents into this series. What's up with that? It's just a bizarre thing. I mean, I guess it is like on, on a scale where, yeah, presidents would kind of be involved with this stuff, but it's just bizarre how they handle it differently, like, every single time, you know? Anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, I, I, I see that, and I, I don't know, I think, I think Michael Bay just likes to touch on it and say, hey, isn't that kind of funny? Like, we're, we're yeah, and these are moments in this movie, it's like, yo, well, we're, uh, you had a, you had Obama give you a medal? Like, we're Republicans in this office. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess he enjoys that to to how easy is it political humor <laughs> um <laughs> maybe um but yeah this this yeah i can't get over how bad that jfk cgi uh faces it's in that first oh, sequence yeah. uh, it's, it's almost not- like they I, I don't know it's like just good enough to accentuate how bad it is you know (laughs) like if it were like really really terrible you'd be like okay but like they come so close that you're just like oh my god that's awful (laughs) you know what it reminded me of uh this is gonna piss off like everyone i used to like playing call of duty a lot and uh black ops had that zombie mode where you get to play (laughs) as like fidel castro and jfk and nixon uh it looked like the jfk in that game from 2000 (laughs) the same year i think holy shit oh yeah Um, nixon's in this movie too i forgot about that (laughs) oh that's right yeah Uh, with a bizarre cut that made it seem like nixon was the president when jfk was the president what no no what because no the the editing this uh, i'll talk about i'll talk more about that as we go along but the editing here yeah mike on your point it did feel 
little rushed and like oh yeah let's move this ahead let's keep going but yeah they should have spent more time on that face is my point because man it's jarring stuff it, it, it looked like mike myers mask um they had Michael too Myers many mask. robots you know too many robots to- i know yeah yeah to to they they're like a oh, face M- michael bay's like okay we're a month away from release make, <laughs> make this face for me <laughs> uh okay but yeah it's a buzz aldrin something that's not a cgi effect Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. <laughs> Walking in and talking to Optimus Prime. I, can I just say, I mean, like, you can say whatever you want about this movie, but there's a scene in here where Buzz Aldrin <laughs> plays himself and he walks into a room to talk to Optimus Prime, and Optimus Prime is starstruck. Okay? This is the best yeah, thing there ever. You go. <laughs> I mean, what? Oh, it's so great. Honestly, I wish he was, like, a main character in the movie and he was just oh, hanging yeah. out with Optimus Prime. Because mm-hmm. that is, like, that's the right kind of ridiculous that these movies <laughs> should go for, I think. Like, that's awesome, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, was it in the fifth movie? Anthony Hopkins shows up. And, there, I mean, I mean, not to say there aren't prestige actors in these movies. I mean, for God's sake, John, T- ah, John Turturro, is in, he's, <laughs> he's still in this franchise, and he's, I don't know what he's doing, for the love of God. Coens, are you listening? Put John Turturro more things. <laughs> and that gets to Francis McDormand, which I don't know what's going on. He, uh, Michael Bay is a Coen Brothers fan. So that that may play into it. You know, I I, I found that to be weird too when when I, when I was first watching this, and then with Mike Malkovich and, and everything too. But when you think about it, it's like these movies, like where where they cost you know a billion dollars to make and everything, they're always getting the best talent. You know, like behind the scenes, you have the absolute best sound people, you have the absolute best CGI people, you know, cinematographers, editors, everything. So it just makes sense that they would also hire the best actors because they have the money to do it. And, I mean, we like to think, I think maybe because you know we see their faces like like in this like high quality stuff but like we like to think that actors are picky and everything and <laughs> and sure they are but you know there is that affleck one for them one for me thing and you know you got to you got to get that paycheck every once in a while and you know that's what francis mcdormand and and uh, john turturro were doing although this time that i watched i i did keep on thinking like well if that's the case then why don't the Coen brothers write a Transformers movie? <laughs> Holy shit. Wouldn't that be the best? That's oh, that'd be, that'd be something. They, yeah. they get their check and, yeah. Anyway. Come on. Have them direct it too, for God's sake. Yeah. Sense. Right? Direct it. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, and I, I thought about this a million times myself, but like, you know, there, there's that interview with Adam McKay or, or like Paul Thomas Anderson's interviewing Adam McKay and Adam McKay is like, I, you know, I really, really want to see you direct a Transformers movie. That's what I want to <laughs> see more than anything else. And that's what I want to see more than anything else. You know, I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> <clears throat> Seriously, it's a shame Michael Bay has kept this franchise to himself for for as long as he did. You know, mm-hmm. I'm glad somebody else stepped stepped up to do Bumblebee. But wouldn't it have been insane if this became like a Mission Impossible type franchise where a new director came on with every Transformers and just made it his own? And hey, mm-hmm. I mean, for God's sakes, mix it up because yeah, um, 
We're, this is the third one. We have two more to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this one, I, I think we're kind of softballing just how insane this is. Yeah, it is insane. Because that's why, that's why I want to start with the moon landing stuff. Because that just, that just begins with how insane this is. Um, like Ken you know, Jong's in this. I just want yeah, to say Yeah, oh, okay, okay. The cast, I'll say this about this real quick. The cast, I think this is my favorite cast of any. No, maybe this and Armageddon. Armageddon's close, but the the the, the amount of people I like in this movie, I mean, Alan Tudyk, Andy Daly for a bit, Ken Jong, I still like. John Malkovich doing whatever the fuck he's doing, just basically going for it. He's like, he's like uh, treating Bumblebee like a puppy at one point. It's insane. <laughs> Um, I just enjoy a lot of these people. Francis McDormand, yeah. Um, even Shia LaBeouf is like still likable here. So yeah, this cast is pretty damn good. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Mike. <clears throat> I'd give it to The Rock myself, but the the Ken the Ken Jong thing. I don't know that that seems like a weird thing, which I, you know we're seeing. I think pop up more and more in Michael Bay movies, especially these like Transformers movies, where he just makes them so so long but like that sequence there like that's its own little movie it's like a self-contained like he comes in he does his thing and he leaves it's not even like they introduce the character and then come back to him later on and like his storyline plays out like over the course of the movie it's like its own little self-contained episode and that's really 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 bizarre structurally but i also kind of love it no, yeah, and, and and to me, for me, it's it. Even I think the last movie, it really went over the edge for me. I think we talked about like, the humor of it, like the why of it all. But there's there's not too much of that here. Like he kind of he's to me kind of like push like reeling back. Michael Bay is because yeah, the Ken John thing, it doesn't stay long enough for me to be un- totally annoyed by it. So that's good. That just it was a self-contained thing for like 10, 15 minutes, and that was it. You know, he dies. So, yeah. So, yeah, to me, in that way, it's more restrained. I know how you feel, Diego, about <laughs> any restraints in this movie. Uh, I No. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, honestly, no. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's just trying to find itself for the first half, at least. Um, yeah. Like, that kind of almost this can sound weird like godfather type like assassination sequences from all the the decepticons of all the people they're working with you know like like that's like really cool to me um but it's like we we didn't need that (laughs) we didn't need all that like the 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 first half is very front-loaded with a lot of stuff like there's the moon landing going on now there's the sam stuff the 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 military people are basically just glorified extras again in this, um, whatever they're called, nest or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, Sam's parents pop in for for only one scene, I believe, this time, right? Did I did, unless did I forget something? No, they're in a couple. Yeah. It's like oh. three or four. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I don't remember the people stuff in this movie, um, which is not a compliment. I just I, I want I want that to be clear. Like, I don't. The, the people don't are not are not why I like this movie. I like it because. Even though it's a glorified tech demo, there's also like I think a really remarkable car chase scene with like the way uh, he he does reuse footage from the island in one scene, but it's it's covered with like other CG too for the Transformers. But there's like that great moment where Sam has to get flung out of Bumblebee to fight a Decepticon, and then he catches Sam and like starts transforming 
safely around him. And, like, I thought that was actually, like, genuinely funny. Because that is, like, a holy shit moment. So, uh, Shia LaBeouf just screaming his poor head off. Like, that played for me. I don't know. I Generally, the humor doesn't doesn't work for me in these but i think i think these movies all just have one moment like in the last one it's the plane scene here it's just sam yelling um <laughs> but yeah no all, all all the action stuff i was just like i'm still blown away by how much i like it yeah because uh, nothing else works really <laughs> you know it's you know um there was a moment or two when I did feel like oh you know enough is enough with this actions with these action beats in this movie but like it wasn't um, there's also one scene for sure where it just felt like gray on gray action, but like everything else, like, yeah, that car chase is the one thing, one of the few things I remember about seeing this for the first time. It's like, oh, that car chase in 3d was pretty damn cool. And yeah, you could tell, uh, even in 2d, like Michael Bay was really pushing for the 3d elements, like coming at you like more, not like blatantly so. But for sure, it felt like, yeah, I have this ability, I have this, you know, added dimension, why not, you know, yeah, like, totally. aim for I the mean, camera. How many, yeah. how many movies, like, now uh, do you see that cost? Like, you see their budgets, and you're like, that cost $200 million? Like, where did that go, you know? And it's like, say what you will about Michael Bay and his, his Transformers movies, but every penny of that's on there. Because, like, the special effects are so good in these, how they they combine the practical with the the digital, or even if it's just like digital from the ground up for certain sequences and and like characters, uh, it's it looks really good still. Uh, which makes it even funnier that they just couldn't get JFK's face right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh man, technical achievement across the board, but that was weird. What what happened there? What, <laughs> why why did you do that? <laughs> their their ability to d- to destroy a city. Um, this is at the height of that technology. Oh, yeah. uh, I guess in all film, I think it, like that destruction of of Chicago is it's it's thrilling to see. I mean, sorry, Mike. I mean, I don't want to put it that way, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying the destruction was. I mean, it's beautifully constructed. The, the the effects were incredible. So, yeah, like yeah, I can I can I can say yeah, they fucked up JFK's face, but man, the effects uh, shots in in every other scene of this film, pretty damn great. That, that was one of the things that really impressed me about this movie, and I, I definitely like it a lot more than you guys do, but um, it really did feel like a big-budget summer blockbuster in a way that I felt was kind of lacking in movies for like a, a really long time. You know, it, it just sort of like spoke to that, that, to that, you know, like, I need to see this on the big screen and it's going to blow me away, like that kind of thing. It, 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 it was missing at that point in time to me. And, uh, yeah, the destruction of Chicago, I mean, it, it was super cool to see that on the big screen. And I think they did a really good job with it. it they they did shoot obviously a ton of it in Chicago and and I know that uh, many many Chicagoans were very upset the summer <laughs> prior to this movie's release because they basically shut down downtown in order to film this thing but you know on on the plus side it was cool because there were times where like you would be driving down the expressway and then all of a sudden you'd you know look to your left and there's optimus prime just driving too you know (laughs) i mean it was super weird and then like things like when they 
when they jump out of those planes and they got their little glider things on. Yeah. Like they actually jumped out of Willis Tower, which is like, you know, one of the tallest buildings in the world. And did that like a lot of that footage is for real people like yeah. gliding through the city. It's just cool. Like a lot of the practical stuff that they did, you know, inside obviously this really, really heavy CGI fest. So. Yeah, yeah. See, see, my problem with this movie, and I actually, you know, I like this movie uh, a lot more now. I guess from like not remembering <laughs> much about it to now, and like I didn't expect to like it as much as I did actually rewatching it. So, and a lot of it is because of those effects and that. I mean, that stuff. Like you're just saying, like those guys jumping out of a building. I could tell that was real. Yeah, and I was like, oh god damn, Michael Bay thank you like you're putting stuff on screen that nobody else has thought of doing <laughs> you know these guys in you know flying squirrel outfits gliding through chicago for real like that's awesome and 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 uh, the other my other favorite sequence in that entire like chicago destruction is like that falling building and yeah. them <laughs> seeming just gliding across the floor you know in this tilted building for what seems like 10 minutes and it, was, it just looked it's it looks fun it, it it's a, it's a fun sequence but it's also like kind of brilliant when you think about it you know like they're they're sliding down the outside of this building and they're like shoot the glass and they do and then you think about like how like right angles work and stuff like that <laughs> when they shoot the glass then they end up in the same exact situation where they're sliding down but in the other direction you know i mean it's like it's it's just kind of like a genius concept for an action sequence and it works yeah. really well but the, the thing that impresses me most about it this is a, a very very tiny thing but it just kind of I don't, it blew me it always blows me away whenever i see it they do this thing in the editing throughout the movie where they'll like cut to black and then yeah. like cut out of it and they'll like do that like let's say with like three times in a row or something like that and when they do it at the end it's like Decepticons, you know, standing on Trump Tower or whatever, and they're like, all right, it's time to blow some shit up. And then it cuts to black, cuts out of black, and you see like a storefront like explode, cuts yeah. to black, and then it cuts out of black, and it's like nighttime, and it's just like the entire city is overrun with aliens and like is on fire right and it's like we didn't see like everything blow up we just they're like well it's time to start you know doing some shit and then we cut to a shot of the city just destroyed and there's something about that very very simple cut which just astounds me I, it, it's brilliant you know I don't know <laughs> you know yeah, no, I, don't know. Uh, I, 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 you know what? I didn't really catch that uh, as much as you did. That's yeah. Um, compared to like the previous film, where it's like, why is why is this cut in any like conceivable manner? Like, what what were they even like thinking? That, that that's I like the I like the catch. Um, I also think the movie when it gets going, like it really gets going. It doesn't really like start and stop. Like it's pedal to the metal, pretty much at a certain point, and uh, it's very propulsive. Like not just with the action, but like. Like even the the flying set pieces that, that you guys brought up, I I, I really like um, how when they're flying past the buildings, right? And it, it makes them look like they're speeding up, more like they are because they're falling. But 
it feels like you're right alongside them at certain points. And I was just like, yeah. man, this is why aren't we talking about this as like a high mark of, of action movies? You know, like I'm not I'm not saying I'm, I'm in love with this movie or anything. I like it a lot. <laughs> but like I, I the think things you like should, about the movie. <laughs> yeah, the things I like about the movie I like a lot. And I feel like we should be talking about this more like uh the other day I posted on Twitter like what are some of the best like movies of the decade. Like I asked for non English ones, but like I, this won't be on that on my top like hundred of the twenty tens list, but I'm gonna give it an honorable mention for the action because Jesus Christ, like that it, it's insane what they were able to pull off here. Now, I think yeah. I have a quote from either Shia LaBeouf or Michael Bay. I can't remember where they said like yeah, we set out to make the biggest and greatest action movie of all time, and um, uh, with the stuff they're trying to achieve, and they, they if they don't achieve that goal, then they failed. And I, I don't I don't know, but I, I think they succeeded <laughs> where they were accounted for what this movie is trying to be. What what. Um, the potential this series had with its action, its weird, weird history set up, and the weird, like, do you guys ever realize how weird it is that there's robot aliens that transform into vehicles and <laughs> are at war with people who, like, wouldn't even make a dent in their, like, society before it crumbled? Like, this is this is a weird franchise that got really popular uh, for, like, a decade, and... <laughs> now struggling to survive i don't know this this movie deserves way more credit is the point i want to get at that's all yeah uh go ahead mike no i was just gonna say uh the 3d too i mean like just in terms of that spectacle like they made a really big deal out of that i don't know if you guys remember but you know they like they even tried like there was I don't know. I remember reading Steve Procopi's set visit, and he's like, I saw a 3D camera. They talked about the 3D. They talked about how they were shooting in 3D, blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, the movie comes out, and the overwhelming majority of people said, this is the best 3D since Avatar. I kind of think it might have even been better. And, you know, I don't know. You got to throw Tron Legacy in there at that time frame, too. But, um, you know... Uh, like two or three weeks after the movie came out, I don't know if you guys remember this, they just came out and said, well, you know, everyone loves the 3D, right? And everyone's like, yeah. And they're like, well, guess what? 75% of the movie was converted. And Ah. that was huge at the time because like 3D conversions back then were terrible. Absolutely terrible. Like the first one, which I think was like worth it, was probably Green Hornet. And this came, I think, shortly after that. And that was like a massive leap forward in terms of the technology. And I mean, it really kind of like speaks to the effort that they put into this. And yeah, the 3D is is awesome in this movie. And it gets better in number four, uh, which is kind of crazy. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's my one thing I remember about this. It's that freeway chase that in 3d and like those moments those little moments that really just awed me it's like oh yeah and yeah and like it was it was back then when i was saying earlier it's like yeah i think it was like the draft the animal draft house i went to like they were very particular about like the lighting and like i could rely on them uh, giving me like the experience that michael bay wanted me to have with this movie <laughs> you know property lit 3d and it and it works i remember being very happy with the presentation um I didn't see the fourth one in 3D. I remember seeing that in like a, a cheapo Friday show, um, like like 11 a.m. in the morning, I think. But uh, but now, I mean, this one for sure. And then 
I mean, the, 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 the 3D talk is a whole different discussion. I think even me and Mike had this discussion on a podcast years ago. But, yeah, I mean, since then, you know, I can count on my hand the times I've, like, experienced 3D and, like, actually, like, liked it, you know, where I sought it out and was, like, awed by it. But this is one of the few, for sure, um, that in seeing 3D after Avatar, I'm like, yeah, this one for sure, one of my favorite 3D experiences, so... There you go. I, I've always been a big fan of 3D if it's done right, you know, and I always sort of like try to seek out like whether the filmmakers want to, you know, show it in 3D or not, you know, and sort of use that as the basis for seeing a movie in 3D. But I, I have kind of fallen out of love with it in recent years because of, um, you know, laser projection. And that's sort of like a whole new ball game. And it's like uh, 3D. Yeah. Yeah. What can you do? <laughs> And this was my first time not seeing this movie in 3D, um, but I did watch it in HDR, and it looked amazing. So, Ooh, yeah. yeah. I just saw it in plain old Blu-ray. Uh, look good, though. Look good on my uh, my upstairs TV. Um, Diego, what, what what size TV did you see it on? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't have a, a, a mega screening area. Just just my, my little TV in my room. Yeah, you know... I, I, I have a, a TV upstairs and I have a TV downstairs. I'm not rich or anything. It's just I have, I just happen to have two TVs. Um, <laughs> I just realized what, that. Is this like 1952 I, or something like that? <laughs> I'm not rich, guys. Not I just guys. have two TVs. I have two TVs. Anyway, it's uh, like, I'm trying to like like defend myself. It's like, no, guys, you know. <laughs> just just stop all your head. <laughs> Okay, well, I apologize. <laughs> no, but um, the, the the downstairs TV is connected to a sound bar. And I had played Transformers, Transformers 2 downstairs, loud as fuck. And I'm like, you know what? This time, I'm just going like, to stay upstairs, put, put my headphones on, and just kind of just relax i wanted a nice relaxing sunday morning not a not a sunday morning where shit blows up for two and a half hours <laughs> say no thanks just want to relax and yeah it was it, hey it was a nice pleasant relaxing watch of this movie um and i did it i did not have the discomfort you know i had last time guys this is not this is for sure not as bad as revenge of the fallen because it just feels more coherent the action's better um yeah sure i said before there are a few moments when it's just gray on gray i don't know what the fuck's going on but there's i mean yeah i want to talk about the bad guy okay and mike you might have something to say about this yeah <laughs> yeah leonard nimoy mm-hmm. uh as what is it what's his character sentinel prime sentinel prime i was gonna say radius prime like, that doesn't <laughs> make sense <laughs> um leonard nimoy mike i mean you're for those who don't know they should know you've been you are a Star Trek guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen a couple episodes of Star Trek here and there. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> you could say you're, you could say you're a fan. Yeah, but uh, I mean, for the, for God's sakes, even even quotes. Uh, if, was it? It's it's revenge. It's not revenge. It's Wrath of Khan, isn't it? Yeah, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yep, he says yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, it, it goes beyond that. I mean, it's really kind of weird because. And I, Leonard Nimoy is Michael Bay's cousin through marriage. 
so I think I I think I knew that, but I forgot, and now I'm just surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so like there was all sorts of like you know whatever where like because here's the other thing the Transformers the movie the original one. Um, spoilers for Transformers the movie. Um, basically, you know th- that that entire movie, w- the whole purpose was basically to relaunch the toy line with sort of a more futuristic set of toys that people would go out and buy. Right? That was the whole. That, that's why they kill Optimus Prime. That's why you know they do all this stuff to get rid of all the old toys and bring in new toys, and. Uh, what they did with Megatron was basically he gets the shit kicked out of him by Optimus Prime and he's floating through space, essentially dead, like very, very close to dead. And Orson Welles finds him and says, okay, I am going to give you a makeover, make you super duper cool, dude, so that (laughs) you can go do my bidding. And, when he does that, Megatron becomes Galvatron, and the voice it it, it goes from uh, Frank Welker, I believe, uh, you know, who does. Well, I mean, he does every single voice in every movie ever. He goes away and is replaced by Leonard Nimoy, right? So Leonard Nimoy does the voice of essentially Megatron in in the movie, and because of that, you know, people were like because they get everyone else back to do the voices. They were like, why don't you get Leonard Nimoy? And, you know, they're like, oh, you're related to Leonard Nimoy, you know? <laughs> and Michael Bay's like, well, I don't really want to bother him. And then they would ask, you know, people would ask Leonard Nimoy, and Leonard Nimoy's like, tell him to give me a call because I want that Transformers money, you know? I mean, he basically <laughs> flat out said that. So now here, finally, yes, they did stick him in this movie as the the villain. And it's not the character that he's play, he played in the original. It's a brand new character, but it's Leonard Nimoy, and it's badass. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I did feel like attacked personally when he... Well, the first time I saw this, I remember this now. This is all flooding back to me. <laughs> When he, when Nimoy as uh, the the bad guy robot says that line from Wrath of Khan, yeah. I'm like, I just I remember sitting in the theater going, oh, god damn it! <laughs> I thought it was cool, but, you know. No, yeah, no. But, but 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 now but now I think it's like okay, okay, you know, all right, all right, I'm I'm good with it. it, it, yeah, it, for, it, it for these yeah. big like basically like summer blockbuster pastiche movies like yeah when you got someone like leonard nimoy god rest his soul um oh yeah uh you you gotta have fun with that i i I would do totally do the same thing if i was michael bay in that situation i'd be like oh yeah yeah, just you still have the rathacon script like just read it all we'll (laughs) work it in the movie i'm guessing that michael bay has never seen a star trek movie uh, you know that was someone else who came up with that but there's also like when you know Bumblebee is doing his little you know dialogue or whatever he's got a little piece of dialogue that Leonard Nimoy as Spock says in Wrath of Khan 2 like an actual ah. line from the movie where he's like your you know is uh, the, your friend or whatever that's from anyway oh yeah yeah I think I remember that now yeah yeah kind of weird uh, I guess we can get to closing thoughts. I'm looking down at my notes, but I go to Mike first. Mike, closing thoughts on Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Um, it it d- does not hold up for me as well as I had initially thought. 
Um, it might, uh, and, and you know, I really, really liked it when it first came out, and have you know been kind of a champion for this movie over the years. And this time through, uh, it took a while for it to get started. You know, I wasn't really digging it at first, but yeah, once you get to that second half, it's pretty damn awesome. And I definitely think that it is the best of the Michael Bay Transformer movies and, you know, pretty near the top of his filmography on the whole. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'll say, I mean, I liked it a lot watching it this time around, you know, I did say earlier. Yeah. It does feel like he kind of pulled back on his humor. Um, the action was still there. Um, but I don't know, like, I kind of do miss the weird sometimes. And I'm eager to, because right now it's still, I think when I, when we first started this series, I think Mike, you asked us like what our ranking was. Yeah. I think, I think I put this at two and I think, oh yeah, I'll keep it at two for now. Cause honestly, four and five, you know, I remember a lot of, uh, four, um, and I remember it just going back to just revenge of, for me, back to revenge of the fallen, you know, out there territory. Uh, namely, it being worse—not <laughs> worse, but close to worse, bad. Um, but this is like, yeah, it's it's back to a good balance, back to like the fun, you know, uh, um, level-headed action mixed with like solid for me, solid enough plot of the first movie. So yeah, it's on par with that. Four and five question marks for me. Am I gonna like it because it's just so out there? It's like a little, little bit more interesting because I remember there's some fucking insane stuff in that too. In, in four and five. We'll see. But right now, yes, I'll keep it at this is the number two. So that's those are my thoughts on that. Diego, final thoughts on this? Oh, boy. Where, <laughs> where to start? I, yeah. I mean, there's just so much in the second half. Um, yeah. Once that invasion starts, like officially, uh, you get some really great uh, sci-fi action even kind of horror almost elements in that like it's not i would i want to classify it as that but like i think the situation will be terrifying and i think the film gives it enough weight to like convey that those those like such a horrible event in a fictional human history <laughs> um the yeah the actions stupendous fantastic classical oscars uh a plus golden globes hit them up <laughs> um the yeah, you really go for the last like hour of this movie. It's uh, yeah, it's it's just the business. Um, love I I love the look of Desert Megatron with half his face missing, with that little the awkward little trench coat or whatever. Like, why does he have? Like, he doesn't need. <laughs> yeah, that. no, Jesus. I, I um, yeah, I, I I almost wrote that down, but I remember me thinking like, why does he have that? Who cares? Yeah, no, no, I, I love it. it it's <laughs> He's so still dumb. robot. He's still robot. Like, like going through the desert and like. Spooking, was it like like buffalo or something? Like, like yeah, the, the yeah, zebras, like a, that weird gazelle scene? and stuff like that. Uh. And uh, <laughs> he's got like these weird little robot alien babies, and it's just like that's that's the shit right there. That's so <laughs> nerdy and awesome. Uh, and I have to give a shout out to the best scene in any Transformers film after Megatron teams up with Optimus Prime to defeat Sentinel Prime. Uh, Optimus betrays him and cuts off his head and robot blood just starts spurting out but Jesus. it's even better when sentinel prime is like wounded on the ground and he's like no optimus and he just fucking executes him he just shoots his head off and it's like there are children in the theater next to me when i saw that it's just like man that's the that's awesome that's uh, that should glad, not be in this movie but i'm glad you brought that up because like yeah 
Jesus, Optimus Prime is just a stone cold killer. <laughs> Optimus Prime is like a psychopath in these movies. He gets progressively crazier. In it's, each like, one. it's like you said. It's like I forgot about. It's like you said. Like uh, Nemoy is like no, yeah, he's <laughs> no, like, no please. <laughs> like you know, I, honestly, I, I like uh, one time I was I was I was pretty hammered and I had like mixed up the the twenty one Jump Street reboot like. When uh, the Johnny Depp cameo happened, and they're like, oh, you were at my sister's wedding. And he's like, tough titties, a fucker too, right? And so my brain mixed that line of dialogue with that scene from Transformers, <laughs> where Sentinel Prime's like, no, Optimus, I have a wife. And he's like, tough titties, fucker too. <laughs> just shoots his head off. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, this movie is five stars for that alone. <laughs> Oh god! Dark of the moon. <laughs> there, there, there is. There's. Just, I'm sorry. Just one other little thing, which is like, yeah, I, yeah, go for I, it. I, I didn't notice it until now, but because you know now Twitter exists or whatever, and there's memes and stuff. But there's that scene where like Megatron is at like the Lincoln Memorial. No, yeah, the Lincoln Memorial. Yes, and he um like shoots the Lincoln. Like yeah. a statue out of the thing, and then sits down on the on the throne. You know, there is an episode of of the the show of the cartoon, which has become like it's a thing on Twitter, where Optimus or I'm sorry, Megatron is at the Lincoln Memorial, and he just picks Lincoln up and throws him off to the side, and then sits on the throne. I've got to think that was intentional, right? They had to have been like, oh, we're going to do that. But but for real. <laughs> oh yeah, it's oh god, it's that you know I I, I now remember that yeah it, it's like a meme right that yeah, cartoon yeah you see, when you put Megatron into the GIF thing on Twitter it's the first thing that comes up yeah it makes complete sense <laughs> I, I I can't believe why I didn't make the connection un- until you pointed it out Mike I'm an idiot but yeah it, it has to be a clear reference to that it has to be. Yeah. Oh, okay, so box office. Um, I think I touched on it maybe earlier, but here I'll tell you. The budget was $195 million. Uh, domestically, it made $352 million worldwide. Hey, guys, this is Michael Bay's highest grossing movie to date uh, with $1.1 billion. So this, is, this was Michael Bay's first uh, billion-dollar movie. There you go. Not too bad. Um, not too bad. So I'm sure he's happy about it. Um, well, he was happy about it. I mean, I mean he, I'm still he's still trying to aim for another billion dollar movie. Will Six Underground be a, a, a his <laughs> next billion dollar movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me answer that. No, <laughs> no. It'll be. It's a Netflix movie. Who knows if it'll be out in theaters? But hey, guys. I mean, I'm gonna try to. Gain a theater to see Six in the Ground if it's playing near me. I mean, there's no way I'm not going to see it on the big screen. I'm excited. I mean, uh, now we know it's in uh, six months, you know. We we can continue to be excited for six more months. Oh, I'm um, so fucking ready. Hey, wh- what, what's the next movie? What's the next Michael Bay movie? Oh, uh, boy. Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain. Oh, oh shit, right. that's right. I totally forgot. I thought it was the other one after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, no. <laughs> I'm excited for this rewatch. This is this is one of the reasons why I did this podcast, guys, is to rewatch Pain and Gain. Um, because, hey, uh, spoiler alert, I love it. Will my love remain? Find out in the next episode. <laughs> Teaser. I mean, you guys are excited for Pain and Gain. Just say yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, there you go. I'm going to leave it as a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, was Diego excited? Find out in the next episode. Um, final section of the show. Plugs, yeah? Diego, you go first. Where can, people, where can the people online find you? You can find me uh, posting on the Waffle Press YouTube channel, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. I've got all my, my other podcast shenanigans going on over there. When I started this podcast with you guys, uh, Bayhem, I was making way through Batman. I'm going to be finishing up Spider-Man. And, uh, yeah, that's oh, Twitter also at the Diego Crespo. There you go. Those are those are my places. There you go. Uh, Mike, what about you? Oh, you can find me on my website, filmdamagepod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, which is all about film projection. Uh, you can also find me on thenerdparty.com, doing a show called Retro Perspective, where we take a look at all the movies released 25 years ago this week. And you can find me on trek.fm, doing a show called uh, Tracks on the Line, which is where we provide audio commentaries for all of the Star Trek Picard episodes. And you can also find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. There you go. As for me, I want to wish all the listeners a Merry Christmas, uh, a Happy New Year. Um, I I hope you're enjoying the holiday shopping this year. Um, and I hope you picked up a lot of great stuff from Black Friday. Because um, <laughs> I know this is coming out in December. <laughs> hey, and if you're feeling like giving, you know, a Christmas present, why not give Talk From Society the present of your patronage on patreon.com slash talkfromsociety. Get bonuses. Uh, you might be listening to this on there. Well, I think in December you, you should be. Um, or unless it's next December. And you're like, oh, I should have got this earlier. You, know, you want to sign up for the Patreon and get the stuff early. So there you go. So guys, hey, another good episode. I'm excited for next uh, next episode, Pain and Gain. Um, now it's time for the for our, our signature catchphrase, right? What is it? Oh, oh, I remember. It. Here we go. Three, two, one. You forgot, forgot your, your boarding, boarding pass. pass. Oh, got it. <laughs>